This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Holy shit. We're back. The Bash Brothers are back. It's Monday night. There's no Monday night football tonight, folks. No Monday night football. But, you know, it's time to bring my favorite Monday night tradition. The Swords says. I have not said Mr. Swords last name in several months now. So I think we're just going to have to get back in the routine of doing this every Monday. Because, Evan, I kind of maybe a little bit forgot how to pronounce your last name and was going to do it and do my favorite bit on this podcast. Evan, good evening. How are you? I am doing well. It's good to be back. And my God, it doesn't feel like it hasn't really been that long, but it totally feels like it's been really long, you know? It's uh, It's been a little bit. You've moved, I, I recall, since uh, we yeah. last recorded. Last time I talked to you, I was in Dallas visiting a friend. I'm now in Santa Monica, just a couple blocks from the beach, trying to Trying to get my my surfer boy on without any of the surfing, you know. You got fucking jacked. Saw it on Instagram. I am. I have. Uh, yeah. There's a very easy answer for that. Yeah. Uh, all I've been able to really do since I I got home was just kind of work out, and go to work. Work out, go to work. I like it. I like it. What is uh? How many? Like, what are you lifting? Are you lifting six days a week? What's your routine right now for the people that uh, are trying to get? fit like evan like get the well, the abs showing what what are you doing so i don't recommend this because i do think it's important to like be healthy and, and have you know a, a healthy break and, and you know rest days and things like that but i've basically been going six days a week sometimes seven um you know like this week i, I kind of had to like tell myself because i think i had gone like 17 days in a row or something like that and i was just like okay you need to chill um, so this Sunday I went like on a bike ride, just up and down the boardwalk. It's like nine miles, 10 miles or something total. And that was like my rest day. Your rest day was actually working out. Yeah, man. Got a lot of, uh, well, you know, the, try to work on the, the mental health, you know, got to keep things intact. If yeah. You will. I, uh, I'm not a biker. Not a not a pro biker, not a uh, not a fan of bike riding. I it, it might stem from me riding my bike through my neighbor's garage door when I was in first grade and getting on the news for just <laughs> smashing my face through it and knocking the entire thing down. Like bikes and I are not uh, not friendly with one another. And also just like being from Atlanta and just seeing all the people that uh, would drive or, or like ride around on their bikes and like the lanes, like they just don't use the sidewalk. And I used to just lose my, my mind. Like we already have traffic to deal with and we have these bike riders who are just in the right lane and you can't do anything with it. They're just poking along. And I, I just, I, I get, I, I don't miss being that angry. I was, I was fuming. So I have a, very, well, I have a very strong 
take when it comes to bike riding, and that is uh, it shouldn't be allowed, and when I am a czar of the United States, that is one of the first things I am removing. Uh, no, um, once you reach the age of, like, seven, bikes are out. No more. Well, let me make life easier for you. Okay. So in states that actually have, like, strong infrastructure and, like, care about their citizens, mm-hmm. which I know that, like, Georgia doesn't really – you know, exemplify. Well, now I'm in Tennessee, which is even more so. Yeah. Even worse, right? Yeah. So in most modern cities, they have like very organized and well thought out bike lanes and bike situations so that it really doesn't get in the way. So like everything that you're talking about reminds me of like early nineties, like where there were no real rules and, you know, uh, before there were like cell phones and all these things where everybody's on the phone and all that. But it's, yeah, it's not really an issue. Like yeah. I, I read, I ride my bike to the gym every day. It's like four okay. miles. And there's Do like you still have your Prius? No, I sold I sold the car towards the end of the pandemic before I went traveling because I was kind of just like, you know, hey, I'm not driving to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I live in a city, so there's not much to do with that. I think I'm going to have to buy a new car soon. Uh, you know, definitely want one when it's time to – when it's wintertime next year to go back to the mountains and go snowboarding and stuff, so – well, well, you have what? mountain. You have some mountains here. I was in the mountains this weekend. I was in Asheville. You'd love Asheville, Evan. I I, I do I do uh, I do think I would love to visit Tennessee for sure. There you go. Well, you have an open place. You have an open invitation, Mister Swartz, here in Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just so I can run Knoxville with you, right? Oh, I mean, hey, it running Knoxville sounds like a plan, and it's uh, this summer is going to be interesting. But like Asheville. Very fun town. Uh, I turned 30 yesterday, Evan. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I turned 30. Uh, I did it. Yeah. Happy birthday, you old son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. I. It's weird. I've already like written down 29 for like multiple things today, and I'm like, nope, that's not what I am anymore. I am 30. <laughs> I am not a 29-year-old. And the way when you say it out loud, 29 versus 30, I didn't think it would hit me the way it has, but like – 30 just it sounds so different coming out and you say it out loud and you're like i i'm actually 30 years old like i just it, i don't feel old at all and i don't think it's old and i think it's actually like the prime and i'm really excited to be 30 and i'm really excited for my 30s and what lies ahead but like it is weird to say out loud that just like i don't feel like my junior year of high school was fucking 14 years ago that's insane to me i trust me i get it and i will say this from personal experience you're going to – the next three years, if you're anything like me, you'll just stray further and further away from your youth. Like I definitely feel like the most youthful I've ever been. You know, like I'm in the healthiest shape I've ever been in. Like I'm doing – like the thir- your 30s is a very strong decade. But like you start to realize when you like – you like someone's like, oh, yeah, I just graduated college, right? And you're like – you remember that like, oh, yeah, that was not that long ago for me or whatever. But it's like – now you're like, wait, you just graduated college. Like, that was a decade ago for me. Like, a, a decade. It's been 10, 10 years since I was that age, you know? Yeah, I get that all the time because I'm in grad school at UT, and I see these, like, 19, 20-year-olds, like, on campus all the time. And just I, I walk by them, and the youth, it's just – the disparity and the just the personality and what they talk about and their their Snapchats and their TikToks, Evan, just a, a different world than uh, what I was accustomed to. And I just you sometimes feel like an old head, but it also just stuns people because I don't look my age. 
I don't look. You don't. Like a, you, look like a, you look like a strong twenty-four years old. I didn't know where that you was know. going, but I'll. Hey, you know what the key is? Moisturize, people. If you're not moisturizing, you're doing it wrong. You got to be moisturizing every day. Got to get the skin moisturized. You got to keep it keep it fresh. That's the way to do it. Run all the time. I'm in pretty good shape too, Evan. I'm in pretty good. But like the thing with lifting versus you, I, I I just I really really messed up my shoulder in like October of last year. And I thought I tore my rotator cuff doing pull-ups and I could not lift my arm for like two solid weeks. And I was like, nope, can't do this Too like, I can't just not tear something and just go have surgery at 29. I have too much going on. Can't do it. So I, I was kind of scared and kind of fell off a little bit and then was just running. And then I was like, well, this is terrible for my knees to be in really good shape, but it, running wise, but my knees are now really starting to ache. Cause guess what, Chase, you're also 30 and you can't do this every day. So you just keep running into walls. That's what I've also found about getting older. It's just like you run so, into physical walls all the time. Can I, can I give you a suggestion? Mm-hmm. Ride a bike. No, what? I know. And trust me, I get it. I understand what you're saying. But like as a guy who tried to force himself into running during the pandemic, cause it was like, if I don't do something physically active, I might kill myself. Mm-hmm. Um, riding a bike, man, it, you know, I'm telling you, I ride four miles to the gym every day, four miles back. Oh, wow. It's like, I mean, I'm telling you, like, it's it's easy on your body physically. Uh, it's a it's a good workout. My 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 quads, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm like getting my little Nick Bosa quads, right, from riding all the time. And I got it just doesn't hurt. I, I would go on runs, four mile runs, and I just remember like the next day, like my muscles were fine, but like my joints and my you know, you know, the bone and all of those things, like the stiffness, it just hurt. Uh, so mm. I'm telling you, man, I'm a big bike advocate at this point in my life. Well, I'm not there. I'm not there. Um, you're also a big advocate of the San Francisco 49ers taking. Justin Fields at number three. Your 49ers are picking one pick ahead of my Atlanta Falcons, and we're we're going in two different directions. We're it's it's very strange. Looking are at we though? Yes. I think so. You don't think so? Explain. I mean, I just if they the 49ers take Justin Fields, I mean, I, listen, I get it. Matt Ryan, you're not he's untradeable. You're not getting rid of him, but like. The same reason that a lot of people think that there's a chance that Trey Lance might go to the 49ers, sit behind Jimmy G for a year. Why couldn't you do that with the Falcons? Why wouldn't you do that with the Falcons? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, like, y'all are trending up. And I think your roster, like, you won too many games with the kind of issues with injuries that you guys had last year and that Kyle is still a year removed from this being a Super Bowl team that, like, I think – you insert Justin Fields at, in there at number three, like y'all are back to NFC title contention next yeah. year. Like y'all are, if you hit on Fields the way the rest of this defense and the way the rest of this roster is stacked up now with Debo and friends, that like there's an easy path to the Niners being right back into serious contention year over year for a five year stretch at the bare minimum while Fields is on that rookie deal. The Falcons are going the opposite way, where they're trying to maximize these last two years of Matt Ryan, and that complicates things. And they just they have too many financial issues to really contend for for several more years, unless they do some New Orleans Saints type stuff of just uh, avoiding the cap in really weird ways. But like, it's just the they're going to hit a wall. They're going to hit a talent wall on, especially on defense. Um, they're going to have to make some tough decisions on Julio Jones. 
Uh, I just, I think this is a team that's in the last year, two years max before a full, full on rebuild is almost just necessary and almost just like you, there's no way around it. So that's what I'm just saying that like, I feel like we're at the tail end of contention, if you can even call it that. And your team, even though it's kind of crazy because you were in the Super Bowl a uh, year and a half ago, that like, no, you're you're right. You're you're closing the gap. You're trading up. You're making moves to be back there in a year. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to cover, and you know, I'm such an unorganized person. So I want you to kind of approach uh, the Falcons and the Niners, which obviously we've got a lot of catching up on uh, to do. As from an organized manner, where would you like to start? Well, I just think we should probably start with the Niners in terms of like, okay, we understand why Kyle and Mac Jones are immediately linked. I give you shit on this podcast every week about his fascination for Kirk Cousins and like why Kyle loves those kind of guys, why he loves Jimmy G, why he loves the guys that he does, the uh, the fucking, um, not Jeff Garcia, but uh, who was your backup quarterback that you had before? C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard, before that. Why am I blanking on this dude's name? Um, not Nick Mullins. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer, yes. Brian Hoyer. Like, those kind of guys, where it's just like, clearly they're going to be a coach one day. They know everything that's asked of them. They can just, they know exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants, and they can run his scheme to a perfect, perfect rhythm. But So, you, so you're saying, like, Kyle Shanahan at Texas, mm-hmm. right, where athletically wasn't very gifted yes had a lot of drive but was smart as hell and knew the game one one day it was like hey, i should probably coach yeah and i i just think it's interesting because fields now being the betting favorite to go number three to the niners i just i think it's interesting that there's still this idea like i think michael lombardi said that there was like a 98 percent like 98 percent of the people he pulled uh around the league thinks the Niners were trading it for Mac Jones. I understand all that. I think it's a smoke screen. I think they're just going to take field. But, like, I I understand both sides. But if I'm a Niners fan, I'm losing my mind. And it's almost – this is what I wanted to ask you is, like, I feel like you – and this is something that I've just noticed across the board with Niners fans that are passionate and awesome that, like, I think they'd be pissed off even if Mac Jones is awesome. Like, I think, I think no one would enjoy Mac Jones being awesome in San Francisco. I don't think Niners fans, even if he's great right away – even if he's just Justin Herbert, whatever, like you still wouldn't enjoy it. And you still would be mad that they traded up for Mac Jones. I, there's just something about it that cracks me up. Well, I will say this winning cures all. So I don't know that I would agree to that extent, but like as a 49ers fan, like let me walk you through the mentality here. Right? So when the 49ers traded up to pick number three, they are giving up two future first round picks, a third round pick that they got from the Robert Solid becoming Jets head coach, comp pick, and their first round pick this year, right? A lot. That's a big package. Um, when that happened, immediately you go, okay, Jimmy's gone. It's going to be a quarterback. Who are the quarterbacks available, right? And you go, okay, Justin Fields, right? Maybe Zach Wilson, if, if, if he doesn't go second, one of those two. And then you go, maybe Trey Lance, right? But never once – Never once did anyone go. I think they gave up three first round picks and a third round pick so that they could take Mac Jones, right? Like when we had pick 12, there was some like, well, maybe Mac Jones. Yeah. 
Like maybe that's what they do. I would prefer if they go, you know, corner or, you know, maybe edge, right? Or maybe, you know, something like that. But it was never Mac Jones. And then we trade up, and then all of a sudden you start hearing all of these talking heads, right? And I think Colin Howard said it best today, right? This is a team that has not leaked anything, any major story, the last four years, five years, uh, that they've been an organization. Every big thing that's happened in the 49ers organization, trading up to number three, trading for Jimmy G, right? Trading for Trent Williams. These are massive stories with massive implications. And never once did they leak any of it. And then all of a sudden, they trade up to number three, and every single analyst, every single insider, all of them are like, I'm hearing Mac Jones to, to San Francisco. Michael Lombardi the other day was like, there's zero chance that they take Justin Fields at three. He's like, maybe trade Lance, but it's going to be probably Mac Jones. And he was like, so, so, so confident. Today, he wanted to he goes, does, is anybody going to apologize to me? When it's like, I mean, this is a man that would sound like he bet a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I gotta say, I don't buy it. It's, 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 it's going to be Justin Fields. He's the best quarterback of the three. I think there's an argument for why it could be Trey Lance. I do think Trey Lance. You got to look at the 49ers as a big picture situation, right? They didn't draft Sean Watson. They didn't draft Patrick Mahomes because they didn't think they were ready to take a quarterback. There were too many holes, which I agree with to some extent. Not looking back now, obviously, in hindsight, because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. But my point is, when you look at a guy like Trey Lance, you look at the intangibles, you look at the physical attributes, you look at the power in the arm, the throws that he can make, what he can do with his legs, and you go... I can at least see how maybe they go, I'm not missing out on the next Josh Allen again or the next Patrick Mahomes, right? I could see that argument. But I'm still like 80-20 when it comes to Justin Fields or Trey Lance. There's a 0.0000 repeating, of course, chance that it's Mac Jones. Are they booing Mac Jones in his first start if it's Mac Jones? Oh, Chase. They're going to be booing Mac Jones until they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and even then, they might you might still hear a couple fans in the, in the stadium booing. I'm not joking. <laughs> Kevin Molina of 49ers Hub, my good friend, said it best. Mac Jones is not a bad quarterback. He does have a lot of talent. He is kind of an exciting prospect overall as a quarterback. But when you consider that they traded three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get this player that they want, and you compare it to Mac Jones' evaluation, his talent, what he, what he can do, what he can't do, it is disgusting to even think about it. Justin Fields does everything Mac, Mac Jones does, and he's significantly more athletic. He can make better throws. Oh, I don't know about that. I do. There's not a throw that watched a lot of Mac Jones this past year. Mac Jones is an insanely accurate, insanely pinpoint. So is Justin Fields. I think Justin. Justin, I'm not disagreeing. I think Justin Fields is too, and I think Justin Fields over the top, and he does more to stretch the field. But I do think Mac. One of the things he doesn't get enough credit for is just how good his balls were. Like he was, (laughs) he 
he was finding like I remember in the Tennessee game he got behind two dudes and just this goal line situation it was just like I don't know how he just pimp he he got that in there I don't know how he forced that in there like he he had some uh, he had some zingers this fall where I was just like and then you have Devonte Smith who came out and said that like he was more talented than Tua so like that is also part of it is I do think he's gonna getting a raw deal and I also will say on record about Mac Jones. There, I, I think it's very unlikely that Mac is worse than, uh, like it, the three guys in front of him, Zach, Trey, Fields. Like I think Lawrence is just going to be good. I don't know if he'll be all time great, but I think it's almost impossible for Trevor Lawrence not to be a good NFL quarterback for a long time. I think he just has he does too many things. Like it's just going to be very hard for him not to be at the very least solid. Um, I just I think one of maybe two of the three ahead of Mac Jones bomb so like lance fields wilson two of those three i think will not work out just because the history like it's just we we love it in like like during draft season but we look at that the jared goff draft now like it's insane what that looks like now it's insane like where we're at of the last like five years of these guys like it's just the idea that all these guys are going to hit and it's just i would just bet on mac jones at least having a higher ceiling than fields probably land or i shouldn't say that higher floor excuse me than fields and um lance and also just not a great ohio state quarterback track record uh of late not saying he's Dwayne haskins and it's fair to compare them but not not the best transition to the nfl uh from troy smith to jt barrett to all these different dudes like i i'd be a little nervous about that if i was a niners fan but also like i'm a little nervous about lance because I mean, Carson Wentz, where we're at now, but Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate before the things went off, and Lance doesn't have the middle makeup that Wentz does, so you have to put that into account, but it's also like he's played, like, what, one full season, and he didn't play it. He played one game last year. He's not really done much in two years. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's just complicated. We really just don't know, but I just love the passion of them just being so anti-Mac. I'm like, how, how? I don't have a strong opinion about any of these three outside of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's my dude. But he's going to the Jets. Do you know who works in New York? Nobody. Like, it just well, hasn't happened. It hasn't now, happened. I do think that the Jets are in the best position to succeed in a long time. They've I'm not disagreeing with that, but it hasn't God. happened. We have to see no, it. No, no. It literally hasn't happened. Right, but you have to understand, though. Look at the head coaches that have been in, in New York. Going back to Rex Ryan. He went to an AFC title game. He's probably, the cha- the odds are stacked against Robert Sala being better than Rex. No, 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 You're missing the point. I'm not saying Rex is bad. I'm saying that's how far back you have to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, Since you have the last competent head coach. So you have Robert Sala, who's a solid, I think, head coach. In the same way Jim Harbaugh was, right? Jim Harbaugh's not going to be ever be a coordinator again, right? He's going to be a head coach, which just depends on how big the school and the program the NFL's team, whatever. I think Robert Saul is going to be that way too. And I think having, um, you know, that, 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 that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree there is going to be great in the same way that it's been great for the Rams and it's been great for the Packers. I do, I do think Wilson will be fine. But once again, no one is saying that Matt Jones is bad, but when you, when you factor in, trading three first-round picks and a third-round pick for Mac Jones, who might not even be a first-round talent? That's wild. And then it's on top of that. 
you're comparing him to Justin Fields. You're comparing him to Trey Lance. Trey Lance, I mean, the guy hasn't played many football games. But, you know, neither did Mahomes. I mean, we saw a lot more Mahomes. We, we saw a lot more. There's a lot more tape of Mahomes. And he was playing the Big 12, and he was doing some other stuff. And if you watch those Texas Tech games, like, I remember the time just being, I mean, it's Texas Tech, so part of that, like, it's just part of what happens to Texas Tech. But uh, Mahomes was doing some, some crazy shit. I was watching a lot of Texas Tech, and he there was some tape of, like, oh, the the baseball stuff like eh, th- this would be fun if it could work i don't wouldn't bet on it working but you know that'd be cool and uh it worked out but now there there was a lot more tape lance's uh, also the fcs competition i think matters too yeah i mean it's once again it's wild that we have another quarterback coming from that school again and uh, you know one of the top quarterbacks in the draft and are we betting I, I, on North Dakota State putting out two back-to-back MVP candidates at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, who knows? But at the end of the day, I, I needed to be on wax, if you will. Mm. I never faltered. It's it's Justin Fields. It's always been but, Justin like, why? Fields. Why Why is it Justin Fields? Why, why him? Why are you so set on Fields being the right guy for Shanahan in this group? Because... Every single total trait, the whole package, I think Justin Fields has, I think, at least some of everything. He's good at everything. There's things that maybe he doesn't have. Oh, well, let's be kidding. <laughs> Justin Fields can do everything you ask him to. Mac Jones can do some things very well, but he can't do everything. He doesn't have that athleticness. He's Sneaky, well, I think that's the pass. two, right? Like, I think it's Mac and Justin would both be able to master Shanahan's offense, but I think Fields would be able to play without Shanahan's offense. Where he, I should say, when the plays break down, he's able to do other stuff, and Mac and is not. Have, you have to remember this. Take everything with context. The 49ers have passed on Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. They have watched Patrick Mahomes. Beat them in a Super Bowl. They've watched Josh Allen throttle them in one of the worst beatings the 49ers have taken in the last five years. There is no way, and I mean I mean this, I've been saying this since the day we traded, for the, traded up. There's no way all of that, watching all of that happen, they go, yeah, Mac Jones, that's who I want. I just does it matter though? Like if he's awesome, like Dude. he went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, man. Like he's has more upside than Jimmy. You had you went to the Super Bowl. First off, I don't think that he has more upside than Jimmy. Oh, he does. He he's more talented. He's a lot more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I will, you have to understand that I think a lot more highly of Jimmy Garoppolo than most people do. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, when he leaves the 49ers, will end up having a better career wherever he goes, unless he goes to some terrible situation. Kyle doesn't fuck with him. Kyle mm-hmm. doesn't let him do anything. It's a whole other podcast. But my point is this. His knee also doesn't let him do anything. I, well, <laughs> it does matter. It does matter because Kyle got to the Super Bowl, sure. But every. Everything that Kyle wants to do with his offense, right? He had the least amount of deep passes, I think, out of any NFL team over the last three years, right? He ran the most, right? Whenever Jimmy Garoppolo was able to throw, he threw primarily in play action. There was like 74% or something crazy like that. Like, he was limited. Yeah. So why is he going to go out 
and tr- once again, he could have stayed at 12, or he could maybe have traded up to like six or eight or something. He traded up to three. There's no way that he trades up to three, takes Mac Jones, and then has to watch Justin Fields and Trey Lance beat him the same way that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been beating him. And if that happens, honestly, Chase, you know how big of a, of a Kyle Shanahan fan I am. If he did that, if he drafts Mac Jones, trades that capital, and then Mac comes out and he's anything less than an elite quarterback, if he's even remotely average, if he's just kind of okay, like a watered-down Matt Ryan, a not-as-exciting Matt Ryan, makes some good throws, not very athletic. Matt Ryan should have won a Super Bowl. What, once again, I said it not as. I, Matt Ryan, obviously, his MVP season was yeah. wild. But my point is, is if Mac Jones isn't the, the 99th percentile of what you're hoping he could be, mm-hmm. how long do you let Kyle Shanahan stay the head coach? Mm. And I'm not saying you fire him immediately, but how many years does Jed Gork, if if he takes Mac Jones and then Justin Fields goes to the Panthers with all those weapons and that good defense and Christian McCaffrey, how long do you think before Jed York watches Justin Fields do well on another team the way Sean Watson did in Houston, the way that Patrick Mahomes did in Kansas City? How long before he goes fuck this shit i just get him out do, would you agree with that though because i wouldn't agree because like we've seen what the niners can be like we you can easily fall back in that jim tom sula era like kyle is a yeah. top 10 coach and i think i i just it's so, those guys are hard to come by and yeah. quarterbacks and figuring out who the right guy to invest in is hard man it it's hard smart teams have just really screwed this up unbelievably like smart guys like wait way smarter NFL guys than us have messed this up. Once again, you're you're skating past the biggest point. We've already accepted how big of misses Mm -hmm. Allen, Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson were. If you're compounding that by also passing on Trey Lance and Fields and they're both better than Mac and they take Mac, that's five giant misses if yeah. that happens and it could be worse you could be the bears I, I would argue i would that's first off the, yeah the, the bears but that's like the bears are like hall of fame level bad choices when it comes to quarterbacks yeah but but like if we got in a room with ryan pace and just talk football for like 30 minutes we'd be like holy shit we don't know anything about football and this dude was in the saints incubator and he just he blew it like this was all like a complete miscalculation and like smart people just all in on mitch trubisky and we're just all completely wrong right it's hard man i get it but that's why my main point is that like kyle his resistance from straying outside the norm and going with the guy who would master his offense and he'd be able to talk ball with and he knows that could do everything he would ask in Mac Jones and he knows that he got to Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo like that line of thinking uh, it makes sense to me I, 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 yeah but you're, you're you're ignoring all of the bad just yeah. to fit that one narrative you're literally like skating past I'm a Kyle guy you're, you're skating past choosing Brian Hoyer yeah. Over Colin Kaepernick, even, let alone Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure it's Kaepernick Brian, was his call. 
I mean, I, whatever. Let's. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. He, I, th- I think it was. I don't think there's anything that has not been his call. Kyle, Kyle runs the show, period. From Jed York to John Lynch, every decision goes through Kyle, period. And every choice he's had with the quarterback has been bad. Because it's already been notated, right, that he specifically wasn't the one that traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, right? That they, they, they called about Brady, they said no, called on Jimmy, said yes. John Lynch said out loud this offseason, we've already always kind of figured out, but we never never really knew. And he goes, yeah, when I went to Patrick Mahomes' pro day, I went back to Kyle and I said, hey, we better, we might need to change our big board. Kyle makes every decision. And every decision he's ever made when it comes to quarterback from C.J. Beathard to Nick Mullins to Brian Hoyer to wanting Kirk Cousins. And, I mean, he said, I didn't draft Deshaun Watson. I didn't draft Patrick Mahomes because I knew that Kirk Cousins would be waiting for me. Yeah. To be fair, though, to be fair, he has been a little bit more flexible than we've given him credit for because we've seen this offseason that they were willing to give up a first for Sam Darnold. And I thought that was interesting. And we also know they went hard after Tom Brady before he chose the Bucks. We know that, too. Like, we know that right. we, we know that they've done other stuff. We know that Kyle knows he needs to make upgrades. He knows that he has to make some moves. Um, but, like... Where are you at with the Darnold? Would you rather them just gone with Darnold? No, hell no. I would mm. rather them stay. Well, we talked about that in the podcast where I was like, he makes a lot of sense in San Francisco. He, make, he makes sense, but not when you compare having Jimmy. They're, yeah. He, the right it, spot it, for him, because I don't think the Panthers are going to stay with Darnold. I think, I mean, they have to make a decision by, uh, I think it's the end of May. I had, uh, Bradley Smith of Cat Scratch Reader on last week, and we were talking about it. But, like, basically the Panthers, if they take a quarterback at number eight, they're not picking up Darnold's option. But if they do, they have to pick up his option. Or if they don't take a quarterback, then they have to pick up his option. So I, I, I'm fascinated I by the if, Panthers. If the Panthers if, – if Lance falls to the Panthers, I would think it would be very smart of them to draft him and then just keep Darnold for a year. See, I don't think if any of the big three, big four drop, it's not Lance. It there, I, I would say it's Fields. If anyone drops, it's Fields. Oh man, people are I all mean, in on Lance because Lance is the most physically gifted of all of them. Like he has the most physical upside. That like someone's gonna take Lance and trade up for Lance. He he's not falling. Fields, I'm the narratives fair or not? Like I, he just makes the most sense of anyone. If anyone's gonna fall, it's gonna be Fields. Well, no, I mean, that, that, I, I completely dis- disagree. If anyone is going to fall, it's going to be Mac Jones. Ooh. Well, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying Mac. I'm saying the big four. Mac's outside of the big four. So the big four but, is Mac, but, but, Lawrence. There is no big four, though, because Lawrence and Wilson are going one and two. Those things are happening. The Jets GM said, I'm pretty sure you all know what we're going to do. Well, once he saw the Zach Wilson run out, like, out the back, like, you know me. I have the Zach Wilson headband. I work out with it every day. Like, I'm Team Zach. I'm I watch the entire BYU right season. Now. You said again? I'm wearing a headband right now at this moment. I mm. am Team Headband. I wear I mean, one Team Headband's awesome. But it also yeah. has to be the Ninja headband. Like, I love the Ninja headband. Like, it's it's incredible. I, 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 don't, I don't like the little dangly part on the back, but, you know, I get it. It, it, I love the dangling part. I feel like a Ninja Turtle every day. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, so uh, I will say, though, I can't stress it enough. Justin Fields is going free. Book it. I love period. it. Bet, bet on it. Period. See, so, you're I, confident I think... in all this. You're confident in your team. I like This is a good way of pivoting to the Falcons. It's like I have no idea what the Falcons are going to do. No idea. No idea. I know I'm going to get really upset if it's Kyle Pitts. That is something I've decided. I will be upset How? if it's Kyle Pitts. Okay, so here's my line of thinking. When I was going through... Um, the best tight ends in football. Who would you say the big three are right now? The best tight ends? Mm-hmm. Kelsey Kittle and I, the number two, number three pick, maybe Waller, but I just, I'm not a big, big of a Waller fan as everybody else is. But yeah, we can agree that it's probably those three, right? Like those three are in the... Okay. You can find these guys late in rounds. What the strategy should be for tight ends, because if you look at where they're drafted and how they're developed... You take a flyer on the freak, like, former basketball player guy in, like, round four or five, and then you hope they work out. Most won't, but you hope that you bet right on a freak in round four or five, and then you turn him into something. Um, tight ends taken early don't work out. Like, if you look at the list, tight ends taken early, just it's a bad bad list. It's a bad group. Kyle Pitts, different. The NFL's changing a little bit. I understand all that. I just – I also understand that, like, Pitts, Ridley, Jones, I don't even know how you – I, I, I just it would be amazing to watch it'd be amazing to watch 11 personnel with those three like I don't even know what opposing defenses do with that but you that's just terrible use of draft capital because someone is willing to give up a treasure trove of assets to move up to number four whichever quarterback is still there so if you're not taking fields or lance whoever is there for you better trade down you better trade down for a lot terry fauna i know you're listening big big fan of the podcast terry fauna so I, I just think it's a bad use of resources to go tight in there. It's it's tough, though, because I don't really know what they should do. Like, part of me is, like, they should reset and have someone to, like, Lance makes a lot of sense if he's there because he can sit. He's really raw. He can sit behind Ryan for a year, maybe two, and you go with it. Um, I'm also, like, you know, today's NFL. No one should be sitting. Part of the whole appeal of taking a rookie quarterback is playing them right away and throwing them in there. And if they don't work, they don't work because most of those guys, like, they're, they're ready to go. They're 23, 24. They need to be able to play day one. And if they don't work out, they weren't going to work out if they sat for a year. I think that's overblown. Um, I also just think Matt Ryan's still really good. And he could still be really good for another two to three years. And I think Arthur Smith and this offense and the way this offensive line is being built, that he could be pretty solid um, for several more years. I also just think this defense is going to really, really, really suck. Like, I can't get around that either. So I'm like, this defense is not going to be good enough to contend. So I'm like, what is the point of a great offense and solid bat Ryan for two more years if our defense is not fixable? Because just, it's not. Like, I, AJ Terrell is fine. Secondary, we're replacing everybody in the back coverage. Like, Deion Jones, injury prone. Like, I like him in foyer. It's fine. No pass rush. Grady Jarrett's awesome. But, like, this defense sucks. And I think there's a strong possibility it sucks again next year. So, um, I, I just – I don't know where I'm at, uh, Evan. I don't know what I should do. I don't know what the Falcons are going to do. I have no idea. I just – I know it's going to be complicated. And I don't envy Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith's position. What do you think, as a outside observer, and for my sanity, you think the Falcons should do? Well, so first and foremost, I think – it's, it's all about mentality, right? Like, I'm usually a pretty positive person when it comes to the draft. I think the draft is the one time a year where every single football fan in the NFL gets to have hope in their team, right? And I think that's incredibly important 
because it's not something that you ever get to do. If you're a Browns fan back in the day, Jaguars back in the day, right? Like, you can't always just be excited. And I think so. I don't. I don't think it's like for you to look at Kyle Pitts and be like, man, I hope they don't take him. That's an insane thought. <laughs> would I would I say, hey, take Penny Sewell, right? Maybe, right? Or maybe you take uh, Jamar Chase and you know pair him with uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Sure, but Kyle Pitts is one of the biggest freak athletes we've seen in a very long time. And I think you have to look at it from just – don't go in trying to break the pick down. You go, I've got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Matt Ryan, right? Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is probably the best wide receiver, too, in the NFL, right? If you put Kyle Pitts on that situation, you need to guarantee that the line's good enough to hold up. But if it is – you have Kyle Pitts there. You can't guard all three. You just can't do it. They can barely guard Julio as it is with Calvin Ridley on the other side of the field. So if you've got a line, and I'll ask, I'll defer to you. That's your team. But if that offensive line can hold up just enough, just enough, you can't guard all three. And Matt Ryan can put the ball anywhere. He can put do anything. So... Would I personally, from the, the Falcons, take Pitts? I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of value for third overall pick. Personally, honestly, if I'm the Falcons, I'm trading back. Trade back. That's four. what I mean. If you don't take Fields or Lance, you better trade back. It better not be Sewell. Right. It better not be Pitts. It better not be Chase. Like you better use yeah. that position to and trade I'm back. Only saying, and I'm only talking about if they don't take a quarterback. In the case of they, they, if I were them, I would trade back. That's if they're not taking Lancer Fields. If they're not taking a quarterback, I say trade back because the value you'll get for someone wanting that next quarterback is going to be so much higher than a Kyle Pitts or, uh, you know, Rashawn Slater or Jamar Chase or anything like that. And then you look at like how far they trade back. You can start looking at do you get a Devontae Smith, right? Do you get Devontae Smith and trade back? But what about Patrick, you know, Sertain, one of the better corners, right? Um, Pay is like an edge rusher that, like, I think in a, in a class this year where the, the top edge rushers really aren't getting as much hype as they normally do, the Jalen Phillips and Pay. Like, if the Falcons were to trade back in a situation that would really work out, that could be huge. They could get a ransom. In what other NFL draft in recent memory could you potentially get a ransom at pick four when three quarterbacks have already gone off the board? That's a good point. It's not. It's not heard of. Yeah, I I don't know what they do. I I'm I'm excited because I just I don't I don't know. You're adamant about them going at three. If I had to put a <sighs> If I had to put a gun to my head right now and guess what they do, I think they take Trey Lance at four. That is my best guess. I think so. I think if, if, if the 49ers go fields, which I'm about a 99.9% chance on that, um, I think you take Lance. And I think the Falcons, 
I think it's the perfect fit. People talk a lot about how Trey Lance is a perfect fit for the 49ers because of the Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, the, he, he went to a Super Bowl. Arguably, the 49ers have a better offensive uh, team now than their Super Bowl year. They've got a better offensive line, obviously more skilled posi- position weapons. George Kittle won't have to block all year. Like, I understand that. But I think Trey Lance, who has every physical tool in the entire entirety of the sport, right? He has everything. What better thing to do than go in and just put him right next to one of the most methodical quarterbacks in Matt Ryan, right? Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Um, Alden Smith signed with the Seahawks, and then uh, that I don't think's happening. Uh, Evan. Well, so as, a, as an Alden Smith guy, I'll say this: Alden Smith was was uh, there's a, a warrant out for his arrest pending uh, a potential assault violation. Yeah. There's no details out yet, so we don't know what happened. If it was a fight, if it was a fight or what. Alden Smith has had a great comeback. I hope that there's good news at the end of this story. Uh, as a guy who's been following him for a long time, it's usually disappointment. It'll end up in disappointment. So. I don't really personally want to spend too much time on Alden Smith. I feel very bad for the guy. I'm happy that he had a little bit of a comeback. I hope that it works out, uh, but I will not be surprised if he does go to jail or he did fuck up again. Um, I just hope not. He had a great comeback, and Seahawks made a lot of sense for him, and, yeah, it's it's a bummer. Um, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett are going to be playing opposite of each other, and Sheldon Richardson just got released. Um, Tech McKinley will also be in this rotation for the Browns defensive line. Evan, are you excited to see the new look Browns defensive line? If you would have told me five years ago that Miles Garrett would be playing on the same team as Jadavian Clowney, like, could you ever even like conceive that? Like that to me, like when you think about Bradley Chubb playing um, with Vaughn Miller, right? Like it's that level of, Oh, holy shit. I'm very curious to see how they use him. Um, I would hope that it works out well. You know, I feel like the Browns, like, <laughs> you know, uh, the the Browns are just like this this sad team. That you're like, come on, I just these fans deserve it. Like, they deserve a win, and I hope this is a win. I hope that Clowney comes in, and you know, he gets more than three sacks. <laughs> I hope it happens. I think him playing next to Miles Garrett is going to help him. Um, I, I got to say, Browns fans though are very optimistic this off season. You know, I know uh, I follow a guy on I can't it's like Ryan something who's on Browns Twitter, and he was talking today that he thought that ten wins would be a disappointing season. Mm. And I'm just like, God bless these Browns fans, man. God <laughs> bless them because. They're like me and my love, my love life. Like they just keep getting their ass kicked and coming back and going. Maybe this time will be different. Maybe this time they'll change. So, I wish them the best. What do you think? I think their defense is gonna be good. I think this is a smart team. I think they were not as good as their record was last year. Um, I'm still a little uncertain about Baker. Still some questions with OBJ in this group. Uh, I think the two-headed monster is really solid. They have a good offensive line. I think Stefanski's a good coach. 
but you know, I don't know. I think there's, uh, I think the Ravens are going to get better. They might get Villanueva. It looks like uh, bringing him in. I think they're going to really reload more. They lost a lot of talent on defense, but I think they've drafted better than just about anybody in the NFL over the last five years. Like from Humphrey to everybody else, like their biggest miss was like Hayden Hurst, another first round tight end actually, uh, the last five years. So I think it's going to be tough, especially with the Steelers still being there and Bengals being a little bit better. So we'll we'll see. I'm I, I just uh, I, I I'm a little out on the Bengals. I think or uh, the Browns. I think they'll be. Nine and seven ish again, but I could see the bottom falling out a little bit. I'm not as high on the Browns, I think, going into next year. Um, are you high on the Bengals new uniforms, Mr. Swords? In any situation when it comes to uniforms, yeah. I, I think clean is better. Yes. And I think simple is better. And Coming from an Oregon fan, this is amazing. Well I I, I understand that the the, the, the I get where you're going with that, but like, I also don't think that like if you look at Oregon's like jerseys last year, right? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. ServiceNow digital workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only half the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow. Like last year was a great example. Yes, they were loud, different colors, different combinations. But last year's Oregon jersey is honestly one of my favorite football jerseys of all time because oh, wow. it was very clean and very simple, right? It was giant lettering or giant numbering, but very simple block lettering. You know, I I love that. And I think the most iconic football uniforms have always been clean and simple. When you think the Steelers, the Raiders, the 49ers, right? clean and simple and i think the, the Bengals did a good job there and you know the Bengals need all the excitement they can get because your boy burrow is um, i don't know if you saw his knee in those jersey photos it's a long line going down that knee it is gonna be i mean i don't know i mean you, you do you what's your what's your, what's your what's your take on the Bengals season next year do you think there's any chance burrow comes anywhere near just a herbert season next year i mean i think herbert's due for regression and i um, <laughs> you just refuse to accept that he is that motherfucking dude 
Yeah, no, I absolutely. Um, and just the difference of situations last year was it cannot be understated the difference of situations for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. But um, I don't know. I think Burrow. We'll see. Like I, I just it's a de- it's a bad knee injury. Like he had a really really bad one. So it's hard to forecast what he's going to be because I'm just like I have no idea what uh, what Joe Burrow will be like health wise. I know what he was before that, which was he was incredible at staying alive behind that bad Bengals offensive line. But if they go Panay Sewell and you have Jonah Williams on the opposite side, I, I like it. I, I think that's a huge uh, thing for them. Joe Mixon's really good for them. I think they still have some quality guys on uh, that offense. I like Jesse Bates. I like uh, I like a lot of pieces. I think they still have a lot more holes to fill on both sides of the ball. I think they'll still be bad. But, uh, no, I'm still a, still a big Joe Burrow guy. And also, a lot of my Joe Burrow stuff. Mr. Swartz is he's the coolest college quarterback of all time. Like he'll always have that. He'll always have the cool, cool Joe. Um, so regardless of what happens in Cincinnati, where it's just, uh, it's tough, tough to make it all work. Um, I'm rooting for the kid. I love, love me some Joe Burrow and I will not love me some guy who shaves his head and looks whew, rough. That, uh, that's Justin Herbert, uh, making some, some bad moves. Um, last thing before we do the Twitter questions, Mr. Swartz. Alex Smith, your legend, Alex Smith, calls it a career after coming back temporarily um, for the Washington football team last year. Great career. It's amazing that he even came back. Just some of the numbers are mind-boggling. Um, just an all-great dude. Um, what, what, what would you like to say as your former number one overall pick out of Utah calls it quits? You know, I said it. I said it before, I'll say it again. Alex Smith really taught me how to love the NFL, how to love the 49ers, and how to love being a fan. Um, I've always been an underdog guy. You know, I mean, I think like growing up, you're far from an underdog guy, Mr. Blue Wire. Um, I have always been an underdog guy. You know, and I think about when you looked at Alex Smith, number one overall pick, taking over Aaron Rodgers, six offensive coordinators in seven years, just just some of the worst rosters known to man. You had fans that hated him, uh, fans that were calling him a bust. He was a laughing stock of the entire NFL. A guy that just got his ass kicked, like over and over and over again. And I remember always just going, telling him, I'm not saying that he can be Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Peyton Manning, but this is a guy who has always had terrible circumstances. Just let him get some good circumstances for once so he can just see. Because I bet you that he's not nearly as bad as these circumstances have allowed him to be. And then 2011 comes around, Jim Harbaugh comes in, taking almost an entirely same roster from 2010. That's how bad the coaching was. That's how bad Alex Smith had it. And they have one of the best seasons, one of the most memorable seasons in the NFL in the last 50 years. Alex Smith genuinely... Resurgence plays well. 
I'm just, what an exciting year. And so when I think about that run, right, just going from like just hated, yelled, a bust, to then kind of having a little bit of a, a, a just a huge resurgence with Harbaugh, and then what he did in Kansas City, the numbers that he put up, video game numbers, like it's one of the quietest like all-time elite seasons by a quarterback in the history. Only like so many times he had like 3,500 yards and then was like 1,300 rushing. It just, just a crazy year. Crazy year. All of those things are exciting. The numbers are exciting. We're glad to see he did well. But he was also just a good human being, a good husband, a, a good father, Constantly, whenever that, whenever you heard about Alex Smith, all people could ever say is he was just a good person. He did everything the right way. He cared about everyone in the locker room. He he, he was thoughtful. You know, he cared about the reporters. He re- all the beat writers, the 49ers, just never could say a bad thing about Alex Smith. And, and so, all of those things just made him so easy to root for. And then he has the worst knee injury I think we've ever seen. He almost dies. He almost loses his leg. He wasn't even thinking about playing football again. And he talks about it in his retirement video today, right? He goes, something happened. The physical therapist put a football back in my hand. And when I wasn't, when I wasn't even thinking about playing football, I was just trying to make sure, am I going to ever be able to go on and walk with my kids again? He went from that to they put a football in his hand and everything changed. And all of a sudden, he started getting motivated again. He started doing physical therapy as hard as possible. He started, you know, taking it so seriously. And this guy comes back and plays an NFL football game after almost losing his leg. It's just, they're going to, I mean, I mean, tell me, they're going to make a movie about it one day, right? Like they got it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, that last little bit... With Harbaugh, I think I'll remember most for Alex Smith. Um, also, no, maybe just like what he did in Kansas City too, where he was just a regular season assassin. Like that man, I think, what is his regular season record? It's bonkers what Alex Smith actually ended up doing as a regular season quarterback. And if you look at it from, from Harbaugh on, it's like one of the best records of the last like 20 years. Yeah, he'll be a perpetually underrated guy. And I think they're... You could sell me on Alex Smith having better Hall of Fame case than uh, Eli Manning and uh, Julian Edelman, I think. Well, first off, Julian Edelman's not ever going to be the Hall of Fame ever. I, I would not say ne- I would I would not say never. I wouldn't agree with it, but I would not say never. We'll see. That's a pin in it. I, I don't know. But yeah, no, I don't think Alex Smith is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I love Alex Smith. He's, he's not going to the whole game. Um, I think he doesn't need to. I can't stress that enough. Alex Smith's story will forever be enshrined in the memory of the NFL as a whole. Forever. What he did, you know, sure he, you know, he, he came back from being a boss and he played very well. Uh, he had some exciting years. His his win against the Saints in the playoffs, one of the best football games in the history of the NFL, um, straight up. But I think just his story, his, his legacy will be so just respected and, and enshrined 
and it'll just be a part of the NFL ethos forever. And I think that's that's enough. All right. Well, last thing as we we get to the the end of this podcast, like we promised we would do some Twitter questions. Um, are you ready to run through those, Mr. Swords? Yeah, I, I definitely am. We will definitely lightning round. Um, and you know, some of these might be a little bit. Uh, some of these were kind of joking. Uh, some of them were serious. So we'll, we'll say. So I said, and I quote, "I'm going to be back on Blue Wire's pod." Pods, uh, Chase Thomas podcast tonight. Let me know if you have any questions about literally anything other than the number three pick. And so the first question was from Jason, <laughs> Jason for 3000. He said, how soon until pay Fred Warner replaces who's going at three? Also, what's who's going, you know, so yeah, uh, I do, I do, I do think the one thing that I'm very excited about with the 49ers taking a quarterback is this rookie contract is definitely going to be able to open up these contracts that we absolutely want to take a look at. We're going to want uh, Fred Warner to get paid soon. I don't know if we're going to pay Devo, but we'll, we'll get there down the road. Um, George, George Point 36 asks, how will you react to Field Goals fourth overall, meaning the 49ers oh, don't take This is a question for both of us. Right. And would you rather he start if they do go three this year, or do you want him to roll with Jimmy? So first and foremost, let's assume that Fields does go number three. Do I want him to start? I think when we think about what Jimmy Garoppolo did with the 49ers, when they basically had handcuffs on him, right, and they ran the ball a million times, I don't see why they can't do that with Justin Fields until he's ready. So if you're gonna if you're gonna trade three first round picks. You're going to take Justin Fields. Let the kids start. Call it a competition if you want, but I think Justin Fields is good enough to start week one. Um, now, Chase, what would you say? How will you react if Fields goes number four, goes fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons, or maybe to another team? Uh, I mean, if he goes number four to the Falcons, I'm 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 fine with it. I'm good with it. it makes sense. We'll see. I'm. I'm what about good. Mac Jones? I don't think so there's exciting, any chance right? it's Mac Jones. <laughs> and I'm like, I wouldn't be, it, <laughs> I just, the thing about the quarterback thing for me as a Falcons fan is that like Matt Ryan is the best Falcons quarterback in NFL, like in Falcons history. And it's not, not even close. Um, the idea that we're going back to back on nailing franchise quarterbacks with this history scares the shit out of me. Like part of me, Really is just like let's just maximize and let Matt do what he wants to do and ride out in the sunset with the best Falcons quarterback of all time. That's just kind of where I am. It's just like it's very unlikely we're gonna nail back to back quarterbacks. It's it's Atlanta. That I can't shake but that I'll, feeling. But also think about going Michael Vick to Matt Ryan to Trey Lance. Or well, we didn't go Michael Vick to Matt Ryan. People forget that. That's that's not what happened. There was Byron Leftwich in there. There was Joey Harrington. There was some uh, there. It, it was not like that. There were some differences there. I would say there were some roadblocks. We're, we're gonna we're gonna just say it was Michael Vick, not Ryan. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, that's it's, it's easy. It's easy. Think about it. Just say it. Pulls <laughs> off the tongue. And then uh, for me personally, if Justin Fields goes number four overall, um, it'll have to depend. Like I said, I don't personally. I wouldn't personally take Lance. But I can understand it. And if they were to take Lance, I will be excited about that. I would be more excited about Justin Fields. 
but I 100% can understand why they would take Trey Lance. Uh, if they take Mac Jones, we're going to have to do like a, a separate pod where there's no sponsors involved because there's no one that's going to sponsor this podcast with all the swearing that I will do, all the horrible things I will say. I'll probably get my, my second Twitter account suspended just from what I say on this podcast. Uh, if they take Matt, Mac Jones, I don't know, man. Like, I, I know it doesn't – saying it sounds absurd, but like, I just don't know that I, I could get up and watch football every Sunday if they take Mac. He would have to be good. He would have, he'd have to be good right away. Like, right away. I mean, like, Justin Herbert level, like, good. I just if, – if I had to watch a Mac Jones game that he struggled, <laughs> I might lose my fucking mind. So, but continuing on. Um, let's take a look at the next question I don't know at the end of the day I think that's just kind of I, I don't think I can handle it um, is Lance the pick at three from Kyle no dude it's going to be Justin Fields Bobby asks what's your ideal afternoon Oof, that's mm. a great question we so know the answer to this part, no you don't though because I'm a gym in the morning guy I wasn't going to say Jim. I was going to say an afternoon at the beach with White Claws. Well, so, okay. So, that's the thing. So, first and foremost, although it's like an ongoing meme, I don't like drinking during the week. Mm. I really don't. And I don't I don't like drinking with my meals. I certainly don't drink by myself. I only drink when I'm with friends in a social situation. But, so, like, my ideal afternoon, that's not it. I think if I were saying, like, what is my ideal afternoon? Gosh, that's, a, that's a great question because the afternoon is what throws me off, right? Kind of limits your situation. I go to the gym in the morning, so that's not it. But I would say an afternoon with friends outside, nice out, whether you're at the beach, the lake. Uh, maybe at a restaurant. Just yeah, good weather, good friends. Just hanging out with people you care about most. Interesting. I wouldn't pick that. How about you? Um, it wouldn't. It, uh, I gotta be careful. How do I say this? Um, does your girlfriend listen to this podcast? Uh, she listens. So one of the cool things about dating someone who doesn't know anything about sports is she just pops in random episodes and just like to, to zone in cause it's all foreign language to her. So it's not like anything's outdated. So she doesn't, right. uh, there's no context to anything she's listening to. She will sometimes listen to it as background noise. Um, so yeah, p- possibly she might listen to this in like six months. Um, it's not even that, that I, it's more that like. My perfect afternoon, I think I kind of experienced last year during the early months of the pandemic where I had no sports to watch and nothing to do because the podcast was obviously on hold too. So I just drove around to or walked to different parks around Atlanta and I just had my books, my water bottle and these uh, blankets and I just... uh, turned my brain off and just read and uh was taking notes and just uh hanging out uh with that and then would go on a walk around the said park put in an airpod listen to 
some Freakonomics radio or something and then uh, go back to it. But I literally had nothing to do, nobody to talk to, nothing to just do. And it was it was great. Like I was just alone and I didn't have to speak and hang out with people and be on and it was it was pretty awesome. So that was uh I did I've like I I very much enjoyed that, um, I would say. So it sounds like your ideal afternoon is peace. Yes. That's a great answer. So who is my preferred target at forty three and one hundred and two forty nine or second and third round pick? Either player or position. Which after the draft moves would you like to see? So for me personally, like, you know, one, I will always shout out um, the draft network and their big board, their 100-person ranking. Um, when you look at, like, the pick 43 range, right, like, it, it's just hard to say, you know, who's going to be available, right, or who's going to be, you know, who will be there. But what I can say, when you think of, like, Maybe the Wyatt Davises of the world, if he's there, was the Ohio State in interior offensive lineman, right? How funny would that be if he had to come back and block for Justin Fields? Um, when you think of guard, quarterback, I think they're kind of like the two, like 1A and 1B for picks from 49ers. Uh, after that, I think a sneaky pick potentially would be what running back has fallen to the second round. Because I'm not big on Raheem Mostert the way other fans are. I think that, yeah, he can be great. I just think that like the 49ers have always had mediocre running backs play well in the system. And I just want to see a high-talent running back in that system. So that would be my, like, I'd say my sneaky pick in the second round. But I think if you're going corner, you're going interior offensive line. I think the OL, you know, the, the, the guard position is probably more for third round, uh, corner probably for second round. It just depends on who's available. Um, but I wouldn't, I would be kind of hyped if they did uh, draft a running back in either of those two rounds. If they draft a, a wide receiver, um, I'm going to go to, the, I'm going to go beat the shit out of Salvador Sam, uh, the, the mascot, because we have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and and I think that would be absurd. I know there are some fans that were thinking about that. Uh, who would you take, though? Second round, third, third round for the Falcons. What, what's on your mind there? What scares me is this is not a very good defensive draft. There's offensive skill talent everywhere and not a great defensive draft. So the Falcons need defensive guys, and I I don't know. I'd probably go edge. Like, if they go offense in round one, I and just go BPA, whatever, trade back, like, I think they need another edge rusher. They need, like, you can't really go safety. I think that's still too high. I would still wait on that. Um, and I would still look at free agency to replace Casey and uh, Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal. But, like, I'd probably add another body in secondary. I don't think you can have too many corners. And I think the Falcons have done a better job of developing corners than they have edge rushers. So part of me is like, ah, just add another edge rusher. Then I'm also kind of not sure what Dean Pease is looking for. Um, in his one-year comeback tour in Atlanta with Arthur Smith, so I don't, I don't really know. Um, I just think this draft better be more defense than offense. That's my biggest thing. Is like just, I just target as many good corners, good edge guys, um, and then go from there. That's that's all I want. Gotcha. And then finally, I love this pick from Alex Carson, my good buddy, Seattle Faithful. Um. He says, 
can you compare each quarterback in this class to White Claw? Oh, yeah. Swift? Here we go. And I love this. So I absolutely, I absolutely can. I, I, I definitely can. Um, I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence, me, Trevor Lawrence, Rob Clemson, Tangerine. Okay. Un- just, just unarguably, just the best overall <laughs> fits in any situation. It doesn't matter where you put Trevor Lawrence, what team, what, what you know, it doesn't matter where he goes. And it's the same with Tangerine. It doesn't matter what circumstances you have. It's just the best flavor overall. It exists across the board. It's perfect in any situation. Everybody loves it. Nobody dislikes it. It's going to be, to me, the best. After that, Zach Wilson. Um, Zach Wilson, I think, is going to be mango. Um, when I say mango, I mean that this is your basic bitch. You know, everybody everybody loves it. It's Mr. Popular, right? Everybody's just like, everybody thinks it's so cool. When you think of mango, right? It's like in every flavor pack. It's their staple it's there like, this is what we're all about, the pretty boy. And I think that kind of just fits Zach Wilson, right? He's got that swagger, that confidence um, that just kind of exudes with Zach Wilson. Uh, Justin Fields, pineapple, 100%. Uh, pineapple is a, a new flavor of the new flavor pack three. Newer on the field, right? Wasn't originally considered the favorite, but I think right now, has the most upside, period. Pineapple as a whole is the best flavor, in my opinion. I think it it has the highest ceiling. And I think Justin Fields definitely is, is, is one of those things where, you know, when his pro day came around and as, as the process started going, that hype train for Justin Fields just kept going. And he just kept, kept I mean, to, to me, we're at a point now where if the Jets take Justin Fields, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that's what pineapple is. Um, Trey Lance. I think for me, Trey Lance probably. I, yeah, I, I just. I think Trey Lance is definitely going to be lemon. Not necessarily something you'd think of right away as 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 good as it is but in the moment when you try lemon you're like oh this is damn good especially on a nice warm day 100 percent trey lance is just that high ceiling kind of surprises you uh situation uh mac jones this is hard because i love white claw and i don't want to disparage disparage white claw as a whole. Um, but Mac Jones to me is like raspberry. You know, or maybe even like a grapefruit. Where it's like in theory it sounds like it would be good, but like it's just disappointing. Just, you know, I didn't know, excuse me, let's go new. They just came out with new teas, right? Mm-hmm. Peach, white claw tea is Mac Jones. Mm. On paper? Sounds great. Peach tea? I mean, that, like, on paper makes sense. Sound it. Sounds like it would be good. 
in practice, you try it, it's just not for me. Maybe there's people out there that like PHT, and maybe there's people out there that like Matt Jones. Chase is one of them, apparently. But me personally, I can't, it's just a taste that I just can't, I can't get behind. Certainly don't want it in my fridge. And we'll stay there. We'll end on that. There you have it. There you have it. All right, man. Well, we we shook the rust off. It's we're we're good, Evan. It it was good to be back, man. I, let's uh, there'll be more stuff coming up ahead of the draft, and we'll have all this kind of stuff that we have to talk about. I think we should uh, get back in our routine. What about you? I'm ready, and I will be in San Francisco for the draft. So mm. I will I will be in my element. I'll be in my essence in that ethos, if you will. Uh, and right. I, I gotta say, I love how long we've been doing this podcast together and you let me come on and hang out with you. I love that we're going pick three and pick four in the NFL draft. I think, I think that's perfect. I, I thought about that. I, I've thought about it a lot. I'm like, of course the Niners and the Falcons are going three and four. I, I, that was my first thought when y'all traded up. I was like, Oh, of course this is how it's going to go. Um, forever, connected. forever connected. All right. Well, we'll be back next Monday with all kinds of other NFL stuff for that guy out there in LA. Evan Swords for myself back here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all I've got, my friend. We will uh, talk again next week. All right, brother. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.